Welcome to Beyond the Diamond, the podcast that goes far beyond the game. I'm your host, Danielle D. Rubin, and I'm here to empower young women, parents, and coaches in the world of fast pitch softball. As the owner and founder of DR3 Fast Pitch, I'm passionate about bringing you inspiring stories, valuable insights, and expert advice to help you excel both on and off the field. So whether you're a player looking to take your skills to the next level, a parent supporting your young athlete, or a coach seeking to make a difference, you're in the right place. Let's dive in and go beyond the diamond together. Hey guys, Coach D. I want to do a little introduction on my special guest speaker today. His name is Coach Duke Baxter. He's the CEO of Zone Sports Baseball and Softball Training in New Jersey. He has an amazing facility. Y'all got to go check him out. And he's also the creator of the Dominate the Diamond online baseball and softball training videos for coaches. Okay, he's also an author and he's a social media legend. He has gone viral on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, and he just shares so much amazing content for all players and coaches in the baseball and softball world. I love seeing what he does. I love his energy. I love his presence. And he just has a great message that he brings to everything that he does. His energy is just contagious to be around. And I got to meet him at the Louisville, Kentucky NFCA convention 2023 in Louisville, Kentucky. And the minute I saw him, I like turned my head so quick. I was like, Coach Duke, I was trying not to like fangirl. Um, I'm trying not to even fangirl him on my episode today. Okay, so I'm just super excited. We're going to be talking about travel ball, softball, baseball. We're going to be talking about working with baseball and softball players, coaches, strategies for team practice, strategies for mental toughness. And I'm just super excited. So let's get going. Hello, everyone. I am here with Coach Duke Baxter. Coach Duke, thank you so much for being on today's episode. I'm so excited to have you on here. It was a pleasure meeting you at the NFCA convention this past year. I've been a fan of you on social media, all the content that you're giving out for baseball and softball. And I just really wanted to kind of talk and dive a little deeper into the baseball and softball world. I mean, there's not many coaches who coach both. And I would love to just know like the differences with you on coaching baseball and softball players what's the biggest challenge that you have as a coach and an instructor with that well first off thank you know thanks so much for having me on the show it was it was equally um exciting uh meeting you at the nfca and at the fielders dome mat booth and, and and talking and stuff like that uh it's interesting when you see people on social media then face to face it's so much more fun to uh you know to communicate and talk and um i think that one of the one of the biggest similarities right the sport is so much the same but yet so different the speed of the game for you guys in softball is different than in baseball in baseball it's a fast sport but in softball it's even faster because the bases are closer everything is just so much shorter and the speed of the game is is quicker um so when when we're doing a lot of our training here what we do is we we bring the bases in especially even in the off season like we are right now right we're we're inside we're indoors um the softball players haven't really thrown all that much but it's so easy just to go live and to throw and the volume is so high but we'll take the bases in and we'll just move them in 10 feet from each spot and almost like minimize the field so what that does is a it makes it easier on their arms but it makes them have to work even faster. So if you could think the ball's getting on them quicker, they're throwing to the bases quicker. It's almost like you're speeding up the game. So when they go outside, it almost slows down. Um, because I think a lot of times we train the athletes and we hit ground balls, but we never put timing into it, right? Like we never, you know, what's the average girl from home to first? Well, that's 
the stopwatch. That's what we should be doing. And that's how we should be training the players, not just hitting them a ground ball, letting them take four seconds to field it and throw it and make a good throw. Meanwhile, the girl's running down to first base in 3.2 seconds or 2.8 seconds. And you're like, wait a second. Now all of a sudden the game speeds up on them. And now they're making throwing errors. They're trying to rush and they're bobbling balls. So I think the biggest difference in baseball and softball is that it's quicker. It's when we're working on hitting, it's getting the foot down. It's getting the body ready. It's getting down into a more solid foundation. Yes, we teach that in baseball too, but we have a little bit more time to do things in baseball, you know? Um, so I think that's, those are some of the things And I think mentally it's, I don't know, working with softball players is so fun. Um, I feel like they, they're a little bit more, you know, ex- you have to explain it to them a little bit more of why they're doing things with guys. It's almost like, show me, let me just do it. Talk me through it. But it's a lot more like, you know, create the drill, let them do it. Where I feel like with softball players, it's, it's still some of them. It's just like that, but others it's, you know, why am I doing this? How do I do this? And it's really a more of a, a conversation of what's going on. And then they can, it's easier to get them to buy into why and how, and then they see the video and, and now it's like, oh, okay, I'm doing this because this, how is this? Was this right? Was that? And then it's, you know, it's the, the process is, is, is cooler, I feel like. Um, but I think those are the differences that I see. When you train at your facility, do you have the girls and the guys work together? Like in classes or is it separate? It's separate. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's so funny because a lot of times you'll see some of the dads of uh, – you know, of a baseball player and be like, man, I wish my, I wish my son hit like her. Like she's over in that cage mashing balls. And it's like, so they're, they're all very close to each other, but not in the same, like we have an infield class. We have the elite, you know, softball and baseball, they come in back to back, but they're not like at the same time. And I think that would be a really cool thing, what you're saying, but I feel like the challenge for us sometimes is the ball change, right? The size of the ball change is like having a bucket for this, a bucket for that. So the skills are so similar, if not almost all exactly the same and how we're teaching it and showing it. But that's the only thing that makes it more challenging for us is if we all use the same size ball, 100%, I think it'd be super fun to have baseball and softball all, you know, working together. Um, I think that competitive side, I know me as a player, like you put a guy like, I'm just competitive. And so if like a guy's trying to show off, like I'm going to try to one up you. Like, that's just always how I was like in the weight room at the gym. Like, I don't know why that's my personality. Um, but I've just seen your videos and I didn't know if y'all trained together or not. It's a good idea though. That would be fun. We do some of our little, some, some of our younger classes because they don't know yet whether they're playing baseball or softball or, or the girls are still playing baseball. So it's fun to, to do exactly what you're saying um you should have uh, some of your pitchers pitch to your guys and that'll be a fun oh yeah <laughs> that, that, fun that, that, that i don't think that the guys are gonna won't, definitely won't like that too much uh, no i'm loving i see videos of my pitchers pitching to their baseball players and it cracks me up i love it fires me up well <laughs> one of the big things that i just picked up on your social media and i just loved hearing all the practice tips that you have and i've seen videos of you on it was on social media i think it was on another podcast before but i'd love for you to share like practice tips for coaches because one of the biggest questions I get and I'm not in the coaching world that much I coached for two years I was a part like a part-time travel ball coach for an 18u team and I saw like at practices we would it's about two hours long 
to be honest, it wasn't as efficient as I had at the college level. Like at the college level, it was like bang, 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 bang. We knew what we were doing, especially at the D1 level. We had a schedule right when we showed up. We knew exactly what the time slots were. We didn't go over. It was just, it was just very organized. And a lot of coaches come to me and they're like, I'm not getting enough time in practice. I don't know what to work on. These girls need reps, but then these girls mental game is off. And I don't know. I can't manage the pitchers. I mean, do you have any tips for coaches on trying to manage these practices or, I mean, we'll just start off with 12 to 14 year olds first. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that coaches don't realize as much that the, the girls are going to take on, you know, the personality of them as a coach, right? If I go to practice and I'm not organized, the girls aren't going to be organized. If I go there without a plan, the girls aren't going to have a plan. And then we're wondering why they're all over the place and bouncing around and not, well, it's because they don't, they, they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Like you said, in college, you had the practice plan. It was taped to the wall. When you walked in, you knew exactly what you were doing. If you got there early, you knew before everyone else knew what was going on. You were almost, almost in your, in your mind, you were planning what practice was going to be like. If you don't have that, then you don't know where you're supposed to go from here to there, when you're getting a water break, when you're throwing, when you're so, you know, coach Steve and I, when we're on all the dominate the diamond stuff that we have, it's talking to the coaches about preparing in advance, right? We know nobody has time, right? They're going from work to practice, but they still need to prepare what's going on. So we created an acronym that I think is really important. And it's just the word practice. So P is players. How many players do you have, right? Because a lot of times, okay, you're expecting to have all 12, but now all of a sudden you're starting a pitcher and your catcher have basketball practice and they're not going to be there. You design this kick butt practice plan and you're missing your catcher and your pitcher. Well, your practice plan is now going to change, right? Based on who the players are. Uh, the R is for resources. What resources do you have? Do you have one bucket of balls? Do you have a bucket and a tee? Do you have smush balls? Do you have a, a batting cage? Do you have a tee? Like, what do you have that you're actually going to be able to use in your practice that goes in the, into the, the planning? A, what area do you have? Do you have cages? Do you have a, do you have just a field? Are you on a gym floor? Do you have, you know, so everything goes into that to see as coaches, how many coaches do you have, right? If you have 14, 14 year old girls, well, is there just one coach? Well, now I have to really plan on breaking them up into groups, but they have to be self-run stations right like there's only one coach i can either line up all 14 girls and roll one ball at a time which is going to be so boring or i can design the stations knowing there's only me today or do i have two other helpers where now i can break up the stations you know that way um the t is for time how much time do i have am i using it do i have an hour do i have two hours do i have an hour and a half that's that's also super important and then what do you want to work on you know, do you want to work on hitting and fielding? Do you want game strategies? Do you want to, so you take all those elements and then you start populating it all. Okay, we have 12 girls. Our entire team's going to be there. I have two coaches. I have a batting cage and a field. I have an hour and a half to work with and I want to work on fielding. I want to work on pitching. I want to work on hitting and I want to work on rundowns today. And then you just start creating that the formula now just blends in. Okay, now we're going to break up into three eight-minute stations. So that's 24 minutes, then a water break, and then three other eight-minute stations. So you're really starting to create like, oh, this is a great formula for a great practice. And, you know, you asked the question of how long should practice be? I love hour and a half practices. 
maybe two hours, maybe. But I always say, if you're getting bored, the kids were already bored 15 minutes ago. So if you're like, oh, let me just squeeze, you know, the lemonade out of the lemon. Well, okay, well, you know, an hour and a half is fine. Not, okay, now what are we going to do for the next 30 minutes? Uh, well, then practice should be over, right? Like, is it nothing good is happening after that? So um, I feel like the, you know, doing the skills, finishing off with a team competition, and then maybe like a 30-minute simulated game. I think that always is so fun for the kids, whether it's just six on six where you break it up into – you know, four in the outfield, four in the infield and four hitting. And they just rotate and they're like, there's three different teams of four and they're playing against each other. Like make it fun, make practice fun so that they want to come back. So I love that acronym. That is an amazing acronym. And I will be using that one in the future. Um, I mean, I'm, my brain's already running right now. I'm like, that is awesome just to help people stay organized. Um, when it comes to for like, what would you say if girl, like, okay, let me rewind. BP at practice. One of my biggest pet peeves with this is girls just in the outfield, like just nonchalant, like they're not taking it serious. And at the college level, I mean, we, like we played games with it. Like we came up with our own games. I really tried to get these girls um, that I worked with trying to get them a little bit more motivated with these games, but I mean, I wasn't the head coach, so I didn't overstep on certain areas of the structure and the culture of the team. But, I mean, BP is boring for me. Like, as a coach, it's boring to watch, especially if it's just – it's not really organized. I mean, do you have any suggestions on how to make BP, like, more fun? I mean, you said stimulated game. Like, automatically, that's, I feel like, the answer. But, right, right. And, I mean, and I another thing – Another thing we like to do is, you know, not just BP, but you have two other stations on the side. So one's taking BP, one's hitting off the tee, and one maybe is hitting soft toss into a net. So they're all getting ready together, not just the one person. Then you have the people that are in the infield and give them points for making plays. Like they're playing the ball live off the bat. So they're fielding balls and throwing them out. And they're getting points on defense. Uh, hold on one second. And they're getting points on defense for making plays. The ground ball. So if they boot a ball, they lose a point. If they catch it clean and throw it the first, they get a point. You know, in the outfield, the same exact thing. How quick can you get the ball into the, the relay person? Or hit, you know, maybe there's just a screen out there and you have to throw the ball to the screen. So now everything is gamified. And you give the point, you give do the same exact thing. Like um, you give points to the batter. Line drives are one point. You know, if you hit it into the gap, it's two points. If you hit the fence, it's three points. And if you just hit the, you know, and a weak ground ball is just zero, right? Just like a weak hit or whatever. And now everyone's getting points. And it's just like so much more fun. You have the kids keep track of their own score. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be like one coach or, oh, now I need three people to keep track of the, no, it doesn't have to be crazy like that. The kids will keep track of what's going on. And then when they rotate, it's like, all right, we have, we, we got nine points that round. Or this batter got eight points. The infield got so it just makes it way more fun. What incentives have you had for like the teams with the most points or the players? Man, uh, I don't know. Maybe they get one of the uh, the DR3 uh, beginner <laughs> pitching courses if they went. That's no, fine. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, would you say like they get like off the top of my head, it depends on the age group. So like younger girls, I feel like they like taking charge a little bit more of they want – if y'all win, then you get to pick the last 15 minutes of what we do at practice, what game that we play, or even if it's not even softball related, we do kickball or whatever it is just to like have fun. I feel like that's what the younger girls kind of strive for. 
the older girls, I got to think about that a little bit more as far as like what they might want as an incentive, whether it's practice is cut to an hour, like it's cut 15 minutes for the next practice or what? Like, I don't know. I think that's an awesome idea. You know, and it just got me to think about um, one of the things I spoke about a couple of weeks ago was putting the girls in charge of practice, right? Because a lot of times we don't know who the leaders are. We don't know who who wants to lead, who can lead. So every day at practice, we would nominate two, two players and it would change every week. And there was no specific order, but everyone got a chance to do it. So it's like, okay. And what, what it means when you're a team leader that day is you have to make sure that all the balls are back in the bucket, the dugouts are clean, that when we play catch, all the balls are picked up and brought over here. When we're done in the cages, everything is brought back. And not just those two people have to do it all, but they have to make sure that it's all done. So as a team, we all have to do it. And they're the ones that are in charge of making sure that it was done. And the coaches won't believe how much faster things get done. And when you, and when you explain it properly, the other girls that aren't the leaders know that maybe next week it's going to be them. So you find the ones that maybe were goofing off a little bit. They don't because they want everyone else to listen to them when it's their turn to be a leader. So it's two different girls every single time. And then it starts back to zero again. So they're not really captains. We just call them team leaders for the week. So they have to do it for practice. And then they do it on the games that weekend. And then that following Monday, it starts all over again. And that has become something that really, they love taking ownership of stuff and being able to call it their own or, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, so you give them a little sheet. Here's the here's the warm up. So here, go follow this and go run warm ups. And they can do it all by themselves. You, you go watch the teams doing their entire warm-up by themselves. They're doing the throwing routine by themselves. And you're like, whoa, how are you guys doing that? It's like, well, they're in charge. And it's it's so cool to see, you know? And if they mess up, who cares? Like, you're just teaching them how to, you know, how to take ownership. Life lessons. They're yeah. learning life lessons through this, right? That I'm just going to help them be a better adult and especially just prepare them for the college world. But I mean, I know all the life experience I learned in softball has got me to where I am and stuff. We did similar things like that. Um, more my senior year. So it was like, but again, we were 18 years old at that time. So it was kind of like girls, if we don't do it, then we're not going to perform. So like we knew that was our expectation, but this kind of feeds into my next question for you. And I have mixed opinions on this because I've been a part of a team like this, but then I also see the struggles with it. So if you're on a nationally ranked team or not even nationally ranked, just a national team, where they pick girls from one state, one state, one state. I mean, you only come together on the weekends to play. You don't have the ability to have practice like this at all. You don't be, you're not able to build these skills, but you might as well, you might be showcased a little bit more. I mean, what's your opinion on those teams? Because for me, I'm all about building culture. And I think it's impossible to build a culture if you only are playing with them like once a month or once every other, like here and there. So the expectations, the relationships, it's not going to be able to be built. But I get that you're also getting ranked. It's also a lot of money out of mom and dad's pocket that I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. Like you can get that. <laughs> you could be playing somewhere else and getting just as much exposure for less the money. But I mean, what's your opinion on that topic? I think that there's a time and place for all of it, right? Like I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong. That's just not something that we do here. At Zone, we take our team, we have our 12 guys, and we go head to Georgia, and it's our same team. We're not bringing in for that special event 
two other stud shortstops and the other two guys are sitting now and the first baseman is not playing anymore and we're flying in six pitchers. Again, there's nothing wrong with it. If that's what people, if that's, you know, and there's organizations that build their organizations based on doing that. Um, we just don't do it. Right. Um, but I think that, like you said, there's, there's a time and a place for it, even for that specific player that maybe she loves playing at home with her friends and that's awesome. And, but she's really good. And going to a certain event with another team can get her exposure. Like, I feel like a lot of times if you just communicate that and like, hey, this weekend I can't go because I'm going to blah, blah, blah. I'm not selling out the team, you know, in advance. So if you want me to play, these are the two events that are like must do's for me. And I'd, but I'd love to be on your team. And if, and if I can't, then I understand. And then the answer is no. And then I'll I have to make another decision. But I think a lot of times it's, when everyone's like sneaky about it, like, oh, um, I, I was sick this weekend and you find out that they went down to Georgia and they were playing for another team. And you're like, just, you know, but I think people are afraid to do that. They're afraid to talk up front or what's going to happen then? What's the coach going to say? What Am I going to get kicked off the team? Or, you know, but what they don't realize is that the word travels really fast. And then other coaches realize and find out what's going on. Like, wait, don't you play on so-and-so's team? What are you doing here this weekend? Oh, well, college coaches do know that stuff and they worry about that, especially with the transfer report and other things that are going on today. Like what kind of, what kind of player is that? What, you know, what kind of makeup does he have or she have to what's going to happen, you know? But I think there's a time and a place for both. You need the, the travel teams that, that stay local and play. You need the ones that travel just as a unit. And then you need the ones that, Hey, they just fly everybody in and they all get their jerseys that day. They don't know each other. They don't, but they just go and play and they, they know what they're doing, right? They know what they're getting. That's it. And, you know, they're all first round draft picks and they win. And it's like, but when we go to play, those guys are like, Hey, let's, let's get ready. It's going to, it's going to be a tough, you know, it's just different, but I think it's, you know. One of the questions I get asked around, like I have a couple pitchers right now. They're kind of on the teeter totter of, are we, jumping to a ball right now are we okay with being the third or fourth pitcher on a really strong team might not get a lot of playing time or do we stay down another level get a little bit more playing time but they're at that sophomore freshman sophomore year of high school and they're asking me they're like coach d what's your opinion do i need to be on like in georgia the atlanta vipers is a big name or georgia impacts a big name and so like do we need to try out for a team like that or can i stay on more of the georgia fire or something like that and i was like so I have mixed opinions because some of these girls, I think they need a little bit more reps for mental game. Um, if you're not going to play, then you, I feel like you're going to mentally break down a little bit where I was the opposite player. So I was never the stud on any travel ball team I played with. Um, I wanted to fight for my position. I played for the impact. I played for the Vipers. And that made me the player I was at the college level. And just like I was hungry to fight and hungry to learn. But like I was learning through those girls that were playing and everyone's different when it comes to that. But when do you think that turning point is? I mean, do you think it's more important recruiting purposes to have the name on the jersey, even if you're not playing as much? Or is it to be playing a little bit more, but you might not be as exposed to as many schools because of the name on your jersey? Mm -hmm. I, I have a different answer. I, I think my answer is, who do you have in your corner when you're playing on your team? Like, there's some people, like, we don't have the best team in the world, but... I think 90% of the guys that were on this last team are all playing college baseball. 
like we're they're not playing for a you know a, a nationally ranked team but having coaches and a group of people that, that hey this guy you know is going to vouch for you when this, a college coach calls or you're calling a college coach on their behalf and they just right there in a the spot are like boom so i think that sometimes just gets pushed under the rug like people don't think that's a thing but man it's really something big you know when you're talking to coaches and you're you know, someone's reaching out, hey, what kind you know, I see so-and-so, he's throwing 90, but what's he like? Well, you have to give a real answer. So it's not just do you throw 90 miles an hour. What is that person? What kind of teammate is he? What kind of makeup does he have? What kind? And now you have to be honest and truthful about that, right? And even vice versa. Sometimes maybe he just throws 83, but man, he's a gamer and he, and he fights and he, you know, and you can vouch for a guy and a coach like, we're going to take him and the kid does awesome. It's so... I think people have to be careful what team they play for. They have to see what's the staff like? What are the coaches like? What are the people that are going to be representing them like? Because if you have a bad feeling about that, it's not the right place. You know, if I'm just looking for the best girls, well, who's getting, who's not to say that when I sign on, all of a sudden there's another girl now from Alabama that pitches better than me. And I'm already, I'm just bumped down here now. Well, now what happens? Now I'm the third string pitcher. I pitched one inning all weekend. It doesn't matter if I have that amazing name on my chest. If I'm not playing and I'm not getting, you know what I mean? So to your point though, it's a fine line because that doesn't mean I'm not saying that you shouldn't fight for where you're, you know, nothing should be handed to you. Like, Oh, you're the number one pitcher, but you need to get reps in the summer. You need to know that you're on a team that you're going to be able to work your way up and be able to be seen or maybe go to that showcase instead with that same name on your chest. So they're looking at you in a different fashion. So I know my answer is kind of a little bit all over the place, but I, I just, I see that it's, it's kind of like a windy road of, of a lot of different things, you know, not just one. And I think the key to just both of our answers is the, or for your answer. And that's what I'm going with now is having a coach who will vouch for you. And like, just having some, a coach who is knowledgeable about the recruiting world, about knowing these coaches, having good relationships with college coaches, because the minute a coach lies to a college coach about this, this pitcher throws 65 and has five amazing spins. And then she shows up to camp and she throws not even 60 and she can't even throw a change up and a drop and a like, she has no spin at all. Like you've lost credibility right there. And college coaches talk. And I hear that a lot. And so I tell my girls, I'm like, I will, because recruiting is like, I will help y'all with that. And I will talk you through it. And I will talk to as many college coaches as you'd like, but I am going to be honest. And I'm going to be honest about your mental toughness. I'm going to be honest about your attitude. I'm going to be honest about mom and dad. If coaches ask these questions, because I have a reputation I need to maintain. And like, whatever I tell them, I will tell you to your face. You're not going to hear something else come out of me. Like, I'm going to be as honest and truthful and vulnerable to both sides. And it's all coming out of love. But I also have to protect my name and myself when it comes to talking to college coaches. I'm not going to sugarcoat things like maybe somebody else would. Um, and so that's and, and, there's a, and there's a lot of that, right? There's a lot of sugarcoating to get them on the team. Oh, you'll be starting at shortstop and you'll bat third. And next thing you know, you're on the team and you're not. You're not batting third and you're not playing shortstop. And then you're like, what? And now all of a sudden you have to, now what? You know, it's like, well, do I work through this? Do I, you know, what's, what's going on here? And I feel like that's the thing that happens sometimes. It's people just jump too fast. If they're not happy right away. And I think you, you keep on saying the mental toughness and the, and that's such a huge thing that a lot of parents don't 
and players don't think is is a thing, right? Like a coach is going to ask, what's mom and dad like? What's he like on the field? What's he like off the field? They get there early to watch batting practice and to see how you get off the bus. They don't think that's true, I don't think. But you hear it all the time out of college coaches. You know, they went to the game and they left before the game started because of the way the player acted or did something. And Talking you know, it's, the team culture is so huge. And it's trying to instill that in them, you know, is it, it, it's hard, especially trying to do it in lessons and, you know, outside of that and in practice and trying to, you know, have failure Fridays, having practices that are really hard that, you know, they're not going to be able to do, but to push them through it so that when the game comes, they can, you know, try to really maintain that, uh, that focus. Well, I saw, I mean, at a showcase last summer, um, who was it? I can't, honestly, I can't think of the name of the coach or the school. Heck, there's three college coaches. Two of them were not even wearing their college stuff. Like they were dressed, like they looked like a parent. And I, I was just kind of picking up because I saw the clipboard and I saw their backpack and it didn't have a logo on it, but I was, I was picking up. I was like, you're not just like an average parent. Like, what, what? And, and then I asked my travel, I asked the head coach, I'm like, who is that? And then he said the college coach's name. I was like, I knew it. I was like, I, I had signals from that. <laughs> and then on top of that, I saw Karen Weekly, who was just sitting in her car and she would just had her arms crossed. She was watching a game and I was parked right next to her. And I was just like, oh, hi. Um, right, but, right. She was, I mean, I was just watching the players and how they were talking to their parents in the uh, parking lot. And I'm like, she has a front row seat to this madness right now. And mm. people just don't even realize it. I mean, she was decked out in Tennessee stuff, but still, I mean, she was hiding in her car, like just kind of watching the game from her car and like could see and monitoring everything. And then those two college coaches dressed not like college coaches. I mean, it is a thing and people truly well, don't well, believe that. Well, plus think about it. You see the, the coach from Ohio State walk by, you see the Mizzou coach walk by, you see, you know, Tennessee walk by, you're going to act differently. Shaping up. Right, you're going to act differently. And everything you do from that point on is going to be, you know, without that, you're going to really see the true colors of what the players really like. And that's what they're really going to get is, is that. So I think that's awesome. Well, with mental toughness, this will be kind of the thing that we wrap up on today. I'm so thankful again for you being on here. This is awesome information that you're sharing. Love this conversation. And I do know you talk a lot about mental toughness and you do like motivational stuff around that area. I mean, how often do you believe players, baseball and softball, need to be training on the mental game per week? Because my answer, I say minimum one day, but that's like minimum in my opinion. I think it should be a part of every practice, every pitching bullpen, every lesson somehow, some way. I mean, what's your opinion on coaches training that? With yeah, players? I mean, I I think it's every day, right? In, in some capacity, whether it's just positive self-talk, whether it's journaling, like how's your day going, right? How, how, was your, how was your hitting session today? What was it like? You know, what did you guys work on? You know, what could you do better at? How, after a game, how did I pitch today? What, how was I feeling? Just kind of really just getting, you know, getting more in-depth with, with yourself of what's happening and what's going on. And what you're, Well, maybe I didn't do well because this happened earlier in the day. You know, maybe I didn't get a good grade on my on one of my tests and I carried that into the game. And then I, I carried that into my warmups. And then it took me three innings to really flush everything out. And then I was really. But if you write that down and journal it, you're like, oh, this is look at this is why, you know, I need to make sure that I clear my mind after a bad test or blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, after the first game of a doubleheader, I'm over three with three strikeouts. I need to be able to write that down. 
how do I feel what I do once it's done I crumple up I throw it in the garbage can and then here comes game two it's like now I'm like oh for oh but so many players are I'm over three well now I go one for one but now I'm still just one for four so it's so if you keep on compounding it well I'm still having a bad day instead of up I'm one for one today let's go that's a totally different mindset so if we can have the the opening day mindset every single game it's like we're starting from scratch and that's what we try to do here when we're talking about tournaments. It's like, I don't care what you did last weekend because this tournament's a whole nother, you know, it's not a big, it's not like a grade in school where it just, it just keeps on compounding. And then whatever you did, like, I mean, yes, yes. And no, right. If we can take it as every weekend's totally separate or even every day or every game or every inning, right. We're just trying to win every inning. If you're trying to win every inning, win every pitch, like, okay, we, we lost the first inning to nothing. Can we win the second inning? Well, it's way more fun thinking of it like that, then, oh, we give up six rounds. We can't win today. Well, are we just going to stop playing the game? Where are we going to try to keep, can we win the other five innings that we're playing and try to get them to think that way? Um, and the parents, right? Trying to get the parents to think that way because ultimately once the game's over, they get in the car with the parents and it's all, that's a whole nother conversation, right? But that one's just as important because we're only with them for so long. You have maybe a 30 minute lesson with them or a, a one hour practice but then the mom and dad are with them for the other 23 hours of the day. And what are they saying? What's their talk like to them? Oh, man, two strikeouts today. I can't believe it. You stink. What are you doing? Like, then now they're beating them down and it's trying to get them to, you know, how do you say good things to yourself or, you know, pick up a teammate to make you feel better as well, right? Anytime you say something good to somebody else, it makes you feel better. And now that person's going to do the same thing to you. And now you have a team of people. So, like you were saying before, team culture is so important in building that good, solid team culture. Um, but I think every day that everyone should be working on themselves, what you're grateful for, what you did well today. What could I have worked a little bit harder on? Did I get better today? Because that all just keeps compounding to better and better and better. Like, wow, look at me at the end of the week. You know, I, I took a thousand swings. Like, I'm better. You know, little small wins is is the way to go. 1% better every day is what I tell my girls, either physically, mentally, or emotionally. That's what your goal is in this training session, in this practice. Just when you wake up in the morning, how can I be 1% better as a ball player and human being in general? Um, but you mentioned, I'll just end on this, the flush it mentality. And that was Brian Kane's. Um, I learned that through Brian Kane in college. And I have actually a little potty at my facility or at the place that I give lessons at and mainly my younger girls, I've even had my older girls do it and they roll their eyes at me. I'm like, you better, I don't care how old you are. You're going to flush your negativity down this potty. Um, <laughs> but it's like a little pink body and it sings the song when they flush it, but they write, if they come in with attitudes or they're upset or if they had a bad day, I'm like, go straight there. Let's write it out. Let's crumble it up. Let's flush it because this is a new, new hour, new time, reset, regroup, refocus. Um, so I just think that flush it mentality works very well. And people are like, crumble it up and throw it away. No, like actually do that. And it, you feel yeah. power from that, or I did at least in college. And, and I think it's, um, it's equally important for coaches to do the same thing. Leave your work environment or your home environment outside. Once you go to practice, those 12 kids are so excited to be there with you. It can be the best part of their day. So you having an attitude as a, a coach coming into a day that, oh, you just, had a bunch of things go wrong well now all of a sudden you take it out on the kids and it's like a horrible experience so as coaches we need to do the same exact thing before we step onto the field i think that's important too
Well, Coach Duke, thank you so much for being on this week's episode. It's been awesome chatting with you. I would love for you to tell everybody how they can get in contact with you, how they can find you on social media, and some of a few little things about what you have going on at Zone. Sure, sure. It's uh, at Duke Baxter is my personal stuff. We have at Dominate the Diamond. That's all the online courses, the baseball and softball courses. Um, and then at Zone Sports, that's where we are in Bridgewater, New Jersey. Uh, we have YouTube channels for both. And, you know, we have a lot of videos and we post daily. So come see us in New Jersey. You can see us online and uh, hope everybody gets better. Yes, hopefully I'd love to, uh, off the podcast, I'd love to chat with you in the future and see how I can come up to New Jersey and do something with you. I'd love to do some pitching stuff with you. That'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me on the show. Of course. Thank you so much. Y'all have a wonderful Valentine's Day and a great rest of the week. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Diamond. Connect with us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at DR3FastPitch, but Instagram is my biggest platform where I post daily content. For questions or topic ideas, visit our website, dr3fastpitch.com, and submit the form on our homepage. I would love to feature you on our next episode. Remember, you can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our website, dr3fastpitch.com. Stay tuned for more exciting discussions, stories, and insights in the world of fast pitch softball on the next episode of Beyond the Diamond. Until then, remember, the only thing that matters is the next pitch. Deep breath, next pitch. I will see you soon.